Welcome back to Pancreas Pals, a podcast by diabetics for diabetics. I'm Emily, a writer and editor. And I'm Miriam, a licensed mental health counselor. We're just two women trying to live our best diabetic lives. While it might not always be easy due to the literal highs and lows, it always helps to have a pancreas pal to turn to. Hello, and welcome to Pancreas Pals. I'm Emily, a writer. And I'm Miriam, a licensed mental health counselor. We're just two type 1 diabetics trying to live our best lives. It's not always easy with the literal highs and lows, but it does help to have a pancreas pal to turn to. Hey guys, welcome to Pancreas Pals. Emily here. And Miriam. And this week we are feeling pretty timely with our topic. We're going to be discussing all things back to school during times of covid and uh, diabetes, because why not go all in with your diseases? Am I right? I agree. One is not enough. <laughs> That's so not, the spirit. <laughs> so not only will we talk about going back to school and that, but also for those of us who aren't students, just, you know, diabetes in the times of having a sedentary lifestyle, which, you know, hopefully not as sedentary as life has been when COVID first started, but at least for most of us, I think, and especially those of us in New York, we're still, for the most part, working from home um, or schooling from home, whatever it might be. So we are definitely more sedentary, sedentary than previously. <laughs> we're actually and types of rocks. So. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're definitely Not far moving, moving less um, or in dif- different ways. So kind of what does that do for our bodies as diabetics, but also just as human beings? Right, so this episode is really for any anyone who has type 1 diabetes or a caregiver, loved ones, anyone who feels like they're they're being pretty stationary in their lifestyle. All of all of what we're going to talk about today is applicable to you. Um, along with some of the the mental aspects because when you have Miriam with you, she's a therapist. I don't know why I said that. Miriam's like, "Will you stop? You're being so awkward." <laughs> no, okay, we're moving on. <laughs> I can't help it. Keep going. Um, also like all I text Miriam about aside from diabetes is like mental health things not even necessarily my own just things that I see in the world and I'm like Isn't oh, this what do you think about this crazy <laughs> like, like yeah a little bit like aren't we all so to start things off um obviously we're not condoning or suggesting anyone makes any decisions um lightly with going back to school in COVID-19 mm-hmm. and we know a lot of people listening don't necessarily even have a choice uh, or things are very up in the air this is a judgment-free zone we're just Mm going to be talking about coping mechanisms and ways to manage blood sugars during these times so again we're not doctors judgment-free zones listen to your healthcare professionals and the cdc and all the fun people who are trying to look out for your health Um, emphasis on that so that being said I know certain states have already gone back to school in person and mm-hmm. online, Georgia being one of them. Shout out to uh, T1D underscore Brookie, who is the cutest, cutest, cutest child <laughs> to ever grace my Instagram account. And I, I'm like yes. the biggest fan. I just Love can't her. handle it. Um, honestly, seeing her go back to school has been something that made us think of this episode. So you know, whatever school may look like for you, mm-hmm. even if you're in a classroom or in your living room it involves sitting still Miriam it does it it does um so 
For those of you with type 1, I don't know about you, but I have been known to get a stubborn morning high here and there, and a good chunk of that has to do with when I'm not working out in the morning or I eat something and then just sit for a long period of time. And Mm -hmm. Miriam, you've had diabetes much longer than I have. How is going to school with type 1 at like different for you throughout the years? Um... You know, when I was I was diagnosed in elementary school, and that was a very long time ago. That was 1996. And so the insulins and the technologies we had were very different. So everything was very structured. I had like, I think at that point I had two shots a day. It was when you like mixed the insulin. And that, was, back. that was kind of <laughs> it. it. It wasn't the same concept of, as we have now where you have like a long – acting insulin like Lantus or Traceba or whatever and then mixed with the fast acting insulin of Novolog or Humalog or whatever you're using it was very different then you mixed these insulins and it was kind of like okay these are when you have insulin and these are the times you eat meals and these are the amount of carbs you'll have at every meal and looking back I'm like how was our blood like how did that work I I honestly (laughs) can't figure it out and obviously we didn't have CGMs then so I also didn't know like what was actually happening to your blood sugar all the time um but we survived glucometers were different then too they're like everything everything was different yeah I remember my first glucometer took a literally 45 seconds it counted down from 45 to like give you your blood sugar and that, that was just so like, nerve-wracking I hate that, the three, two, one countdown I can't imagine 45 seconds it was just like and that was the like the best technology at that point like that was fast um which Miriam's is crazy. here to tell you to be grateful <laughs> exactly that's why when everyone complains about like certain technology I'm like this is unbelievable I feel like such an old person when I have meanwhile to we just had an entire episode about T1D and tech and like complaining about how when things fail it's guys it's balance pancreas pals we no, are all I, about balance but i made an effort to say you did technology is crazy but it fails you at times and what to do you know i i i'm extremely grateful but you are you've that, always been grateful and the problem is that we rely on things exactly. i think that there's there's a difference between taking something for granted and knowing its worth and in those moments we know it's worth okay, exactly. back to your childhood. exactly but yes but back to like school so i have to say i'm not a good example of like how did you prep for school because I honestly I was so little I don't remember and two the technology was so different that it was sort of like (laughs) ignorance is bliss I think there's something to be said the fact that parents can send their kids to school and can literally be they'll see what their blood sugar is every single second that they want to look and and in some cases even give remotely give certain amount of insulin it's kind of wild so that obviously like as if I can put myself in the parents position that must feel so comforting but um at the same time maybe there's some ignorance is bliss aspect about it because obviously I turned out okay without it um but back to what this topic's actually about is like prepping for the mornings and whatnot I can tell you now like you said, my blood sugars are very stubborn in the morning. And I think that is, you know, somewhat of a, a trend with diabetics. Not everyone will have that, that instance. But I feel what works for me in the mornings now is pre – if I'm eating bre- – first of all, I don't eat a big breakfast most of the time anyway. Sometimes I won't eat breakfast at all, which is okay. 
Um, but if I'm eating breakfast, I have to pre-bolus. Um, otherwise, or I can just accept the reality that I'm going to spike. <laughs> For those who are new to diabetes mm-hmm. or don't have diabetes, pre-bolus means a bolus is when you dose some insulin and give it. Um, so a pre-bolus is kind of like letting it cook and absorb for a certain amount of time. So it'll peak around the same time that your food ingestion peaks. Exactly. So when your blood sugar starts to peak. So that that kind of combination usually helps avoid those insane spikes that you might see on your Dexcom or on your glucometer, which I can't even say anymore. Um, but yeah, I'm really into the pre-bolus at certain times of day exactly I I know for myself I'm on the DIY closed loop system um shout out to Katie DeSimone and everyone who worked on that (laughs) I will forever be grateful you say Uh, that every time you mention I just I just feel like okay credit needs to be I like I am like the amount of coding that went into that I am truly floored every time but that's like a whole other topic Mm -hmm. literally we have an entire episode on it so check that out um from seasons ago but I have found that my mornings need to be pre bolus I never skip breakfast even if it's I just have a, and that's like I'm not showing off I just get <laughs> hungry like I'm a guy I'm a gal that likes to eat uh, you know you heard it here first it's a my mom's a chef I've always been this way it, it is what it is mm-hmm. so I try to stay low carb 24 7 but Mm -hmm. especially for breakfast like I mean I'll have the occasional milkshake and I don't really stray from fruits I still eat all that kind of stuff but I'm really into high protein breakfast so really into some Greek yogurt but I have to let that sit for like my insulin sit for like 20 minutes whereas in the afternoon I can't pre-bolus or else I'll drop really quickly and I was Um, gonna say for some reason I really struggle with yogurt for whatever reason because I think for some reason dairy really really spikes me in the morning so I've started doing like non-dairy milks in my coffee and yogurt like I just can't with the pre-bolus I really struggle with it and so here's a perfect example of like differences right so Emily's pretty found a successful way to eat yogurt I (laughs) usually I listen and I'm sure I could as well if I experiment with myself enough I could but like I don't like yogurt enough to be like I'm gonna make this work so what I find, what I think, and what I think you're saying too, is having a very predictable breakfast. Right. And so I, similarly, I will do, you know, pretty low carb. I usually really like eggs um, or some sort of omelet situation. Um, but if I'm doing carbs, it'll be like Ezekiel bread toast, um, which for me is super predictable. It's not I mean, it's not no carbs. It's about 15 carbs a slice, I'd say. But it's very low glycemic, which means it's less likely to spike your blood sugar because it has more fiber and a bunch of other stuff to kind of balance that that carb spike. So I can have a slice of Ezekiel bread toast. I can don't even have to pre-bolus that much. Maybe I'll pre-bolus like five to ten minutes and I won't spike from that. I, I kind of bolus for exactly how many carbs there are. That are in the bread and I, so that's trial and error right I kind of figured out I can eat this bread and it won't spike me um whereas some other things you're gonna have a couple spikes before you figure out how to make it make it work for you right and like I completely gave up on cereal like that's something that I just to me the the nutrition I'm again even six years ago I was diagnosed six years ago that conversation I had with my doctor then was kind of like listen we can 
try and try and try you're gonna feel crappy until you know like blood sugar wise until you get it down Mm -hmm. or you can just uh, not have this this does not have any nutritious aspects to Mm -hmm. it um which she also said for bagels and sushi rice so I was like, because like those are but the those three things, things you don't want to give up. Yeah, I, I like really like I still I mean, she didn't tell me to give them up. She mm-hmm. was like, you know, either eat them in moderation or yeah. keep trying until you find something that works for you. Mm-hmm. But every time I tried and to this day, I still can't eat. I can eat yeah. half a bagel and I'll be fine. Mm-hmm. Sushi rice completely mystifies me. And I eat cereal occasionally as a low snack. <laughs> um, <laughs> So, you know, you find your ways around you things. And this never... is not to say, like, I – there is nothing I don't eat, truly. Right. And, I mean, and so I, this, isn't a, this isn't our way of saying, like, it's Ooh. not worth the carbs, don't eat it. Like, it's always fucking worth the carbs. Excuse my French. We're, <laughs> we're rated <laughs> explicit for a reason. You can't be tamed. But it's always worth the carbs. And I never want anyone to say, I can't eat that because of X, Y, and Z. All we're saying is that it – if you want to continue eating certain things and not having spikes, and granted, if you're eating something once, like, in a six-month period, being like, I haven't had a bagel in forever. I'm going to eat a bagel. Screw it. Like, yeah. we've, we've done it. Like, oh, we're not, hell yeah. We're not I'm saying we – I'm a big proponent we, of that. If you yeah. have, like, a, th- a really high blood sugar for a few hours, it's not the end of the world. No. You know, insulin will bring it back down eventually, and you – You'll you be know, fine. Most cases are going to be like, hell yeah, that was, was such a good bagel. It. Yeah, we're just saying if you want to eat – if there's something you love and it's hard on your blood sugars and you want to make a habit of it you put in the effort to kind of do some trial and error to say okay well this bolus didn't work for this this time so maybe next time I'll try an extended bolus or maybe next time I'll pre-bolus a little bit or maybe I'll you know change the amount whatever it is just do the experiment and I I always tell people like what makes diabetes so unique, type 1 diabetes specifically, is that you wake up and you get a fresh start, right? It's no my matter favorite how, thing Miriam says. Because it's true. And I don't know if there's any other disease that's really like that where if you had a horrible blood sugar day the day before, hoping that things have settled out for you over the night when you haven't been eating for a while, by the time you wake up in the morning, you literally get a fresh start. And you get to like start – your day as much as you want so if you had a bad experience with the bagel yesterday but you're like I'm gonna make this work you get to start over today and say like okay well what am I gonna do differently to bolus for this bagel because I really want the bagel so tying this into back to school I think it's important (laughs) I think that this notion of um cutting things out is particularly hard for school-age kids and parents of children I know that there are some really great low-carb meals aspects like certain ingredients words are hard mm-hmm. um out there but you know I think it's also important to teach your kids that they can eat things and Absolutely. that you know maybe they don't feel good and because they have a high from that and have a discussion about that that's a good opportunity to discuss the disease and you know talk about how you can't let it stop you but also we need to be mindful yeah. like um so I think that I well, you know yeah, it, it I, ranges I, yeah, and I want to say on that note, like I always remember my mom being my biggest advocate. And I can't remember if this is one of those things I remember or if I remember because she told me about it. Um, but whatever it was, I remember that when I was diagnosed and we first started meeting with endocrinologists and there was a dietitian on staff with my endocrinologist. And my mom said, Miriam likes to have 
Oreo cookies and milk before bed. So how can we fit this in so she can have Oreo cookies in bed and milk before bed? And I did. Every single night. That was part of the Your mom sounds like a dream. Oh, she's great. Was that nutritionally a great idea? Probably not. I mean, but so what diabetes wise, we made it work. And and do that. Like I you know, let your kids be kids and you if they can't advocate for themselves yet because they're kids, it's your job to to let them be kids and to do everything you can to make sure they still feel like kids, even with this big responsibility that's been thrust upon them. Right. And I think a big aspect of being a kid, or at least it was back in, you know, our Stone Age days, <laughs> is, uh, is you know, running around, activity. Yeah. It's getting outside. It's, I mean, again, this is COVID time. So as much as you can, safely social distancing, mm-hmm. going for walks during your homeschool days, like, these activities letting people play outside letting things you know or playing a hide and seek game indoors there are so many things that you can do that gets you moving that will help your blood sugars like personally for me if I miss that workout which honestly working from home has made it so I work out so much more now just so I can get moving because I'm really feeling that long commute from my bed to my (laughs) desk which in my (laughs) tiny New York City apartment is literally four steps um, I need to get I need to move around so if I don't get out for that walk you know at some point in the day and my workout mm-hmm. in the morning and by workout I'm not going to a gym I'm doing it in my what is You're loosely living, called a living room your living room <laughs> slash office slash, slash Laura's dining room, room. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but you know it's it's getting getting your kids to move if they're able it's it's you know making a concerted effort to make the most of being able to get up and move around and take a break because that yeah. break will literally help you mentally and it'll help your insulin absorption because when you're moving around you absorb insulin more quickly in your bloodstream I don't really understand chemistry I think I botched that but you got what I'm saying yeah, that's true yeah um, it makes your insulin start working a little bit faster and so that also for not just kids but for us grown-ups who have to work if I've been sitting on the couch too long and my blood sugar is going up, 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 or it's just maybe it's just staying a little higher and isn't budging really at all, if you're on a call or if you're on a Zoom where you don't need your, you know, your video open, whatever it is, you can start doing squats. Like, really. I know there was trending on Instagram the T1D squats, but it's super Love effective. So if I'm on a phone call and my blood sugar is, like, so sedentary and just, like, not budging – I'll do squats on the phone. No one can see you. It's in your apartment. You don't need a ton of space. And it gets your blood flowing a little bit. And not only is that good for your blood sugars if you're trying to lower them, but it's also just, like, really good for your mental health to move at least once an hour. Yeah, I've been known to um, look up and realize I haven't moved in, like, four hours. So Mm -hmm. that – is something that I'm working on and I think it's like even just getting up and going to the kitchen again these are like really (laughs) small walks for me so it's kind of laughable if you've been in my apartment yes I have seen this apartment so it's it's minute little steps but that's literally it's getting up standing it makes a difference do some jumping Uh, jacks and I think setting an alarm or something just to get up once an hour even if it's for two minutes just to move your limbs a bit right and I think for for kids who are going back to school and for parents who are Mm. you know and looking out for their children and want to make sure that 
you know, they might not have recess anymore in this new age. Making sure that you have a plan and you have a conversation with the school's teacher, with the school's teacher, with the kids, the child's school, as well as the school in general about your child's needs. Because if the needs aren't being met in a time where everything is high, uh, high stress and safety is a big issue, it's it's definitely valid to to question the teachers and the higher ups about what they can do for your child. Um, Absolutely, and I and I would hope and I think that most elementary school teachers, at least if they're all virtual, I'm sure they've incorporated some sort of movement time. Um, I would hope so, but if not, exactly, this is your chance to advocate for your kid and say. Okay, well, I don't think most seven-year-olds cannot sit long, sit down for that long, but my seven-year-old with type 1 diabetes needs to move a little bit. And I don't, I don't think you'll get much pushback, God willing, but um, that's, when, that's when it comes back to being your kid's advocate and knowing your rights. And It's a great opportunity yeah. to teach them and show them that advocating for themselves isn't too far off in the future and mm-hmm. that you get results when you speak up Um, so again like whether you're like me and Miriam who are not a school age at all anymore sorry I'm really feeling old now and I think it's just because of all these adorable kiddos I follow on and that sounds really creepy but the type one kids and their parents that we talk to on Instagram are just all so cute. Yeah, really cute. And I'm like TBT to when I was starting college like nine years ago. You're still young to me, Emily. I mean, thanks, Miriam. You're effervescent. You're very young as well. We're we're both pretty damn young comparatively to, to a lot of the population, so I should stop complaining. But I it really makes me think that I feel so blessed that I didn't have (laughs) type one when I was in school and also blessed that I'm not in school during a pandemic. So our hearts go out to everyone who are facing incredible decisions right now and Mm -hmm. the parents who have to take care of kids while they're working full-time jobs and Mm -hmm. just there's, you know, there's a lot to be said for community and trying to, to, figure out what works for your family and I think that it it is nothing is I can't speak anymore cookie cutter these days like it just isn't uh I know that my hometown my high school I think they're doing half um half homeschool like work hello L Miriam I I wish everyone could see Miriam's face right now I had a little mic situation sorry guys I stood up earlier like one of the five times I stood up today and I like (laughs) knocked down half the stuff on my desk on my dresser oops it was a scene um but I think for some people in some states they might be going back half virtually half in person I don't things things are happening um and I think it's important to just have a plan in place and I think that plan will really whether it works out or not it'll help you compartmentalize and cope with the changing times absolutely and I was gonna say now more than ever if you haven't reached out to your office of disabilities at your university or college or with the county they should have some sort of disability office for your county if you're in public schools whatever it might be um, mean now more than ever reach out to them check out what's going on um, 
I think it's going to be a very case-by-case situation, what they'll be able to help you with, kind of depending on what your school is doing. But absolutely learn what your rights are in your in your school system and advocate for them. You know, you are not required to put yourself at risk in order to get an education. Or even necessarily a job (laughs) exactly like you you do have rights diabetes I know it's I always kind of say this with a cringe like to say diabetes is a disability but it's it is and I and that doesn't have to be a bad thing it yeah I think we gotta nip the 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 connotation that disability is a bad word um stigmatization it's yeah it's it's everywhere exactly it's just a distinction our pancreas does not work the way it's supposed to and that greatly impacts our quality of life and our way of living and what our needs are and so based on that you are entitled to accommodations um so check out reach out to the office of disabilities kind of whatever that whatever form that make takes in your school system and chat with them and see if they have ideas of what could be done or what some options are because it'll give you a better sense of okay well what should I start advocating for then and the sooner you you start the the better I mean Mm -hmm. I think it's important to know that there are so many different types of disabilities out there and disability offices are getting busier and busier as we're becoming less stigmatized with Mm -hmm. certain things and absolutely the sooner you can advocate for yourself and the sooner you can get things aligned, the the less anxiety I feel personally um, when exactly. it comes to these things. It's a way of using that anxious energy and putting it towards a plan. Um, and that's kind of what helps with anxiety. You know, worrying, this worrying sensation that we all go through, um, worrying is only helpful if it leads to some sort of plan. And that's anxiety in a nutshell, right? I think ang- ang- for those of us who are very anxious, there's this idea, and it's totally you know, delusional, but we all have it. It's, okay, well, if I worry about this enough, it won't happen. Or if I worry about this enough, I can fix it somehow. But that's only accurate if you're changing something or doing something. And so you got to do the work. You got to do the work. And it's hard. I'm not saying this is easy or that anxiety is dumb because it's not. We all go through it in some form, Emily and I especially. But it's <laughs> what what can you do with that energy? And so if you're worrying about something school related, like I think about something I used to worry about all the time. I used to worry about what if I get low in the middle of a test or what if I have to, you know, drink juice in the middle of a test or something and is this teacher going to get upset with that or is it going to be a big deal if I have to like run out of the room or whatever those are things that really gave me a lot of anxiety and a lot of worry and so I will tell you at I did not register with the office of disabilities at my college honestly because I did not know I could I did not know that was an option I definitely didn't at my school growing up I my school system always knew I had diabetes I was always in touch with the nurses like the upper administration knew about it but I was not given accommodations for anything because I did not know I could ask for it but when I'm looking back at it now this is like a perfect clue oh this is what's making me anxious taking tests I bet there's some sort of accommodation that could be made for this particular worry and if I knew that was an option I would have put a plan in place be done with it right 
So I, That's one I, of my biggest regrets in college, aside from yeah. actually being diagnosed with diabetes, so, <laughs> with not, not taking advantage of that. And I didn't yeah. know. I had no idea. Exactly. And I used to have such bad anxiety that I would like – it wasn't even necessarily for tests. It's like I remember I had this crazy schedule where I had to like run across campus to get to a class. Right. And I mean, I'm not sure what could have been done, but it was always at like 3 o'clock, which is as Christy and I always used to call – and this is mostly Christy's words I'm using – but the witching, the witching hour where hours. our blood sugar would just dr- – we were so much more insulin sensitive then um, – and I would just be tanking by the time I got to mm-hmm. my uh, – it was like a 4 o'clock class, and I got out of one class at 345, and it was mm-hmm. like a one point – it was like a two-mile uh, across campus at Boston so for, University. And I was like, Which oh, is cool. also exhausting for like anyone. anyone. But by the like, time I got there, like yeah. I'd have to be like pounding juice like yeah. wa- on my like walk run over, and then mm-hmm. I'd always be like the last one in class, and I'd like sit down in front of every – it just – it's anxiety-inducing, and I yes. am not – easily um I'm I could talk to a wall I could talk to anyone like I you know I would get nervous about that I could only imagine people who are more of introverts and mm-hmm. you know like actually yeah. having real anxiety that like is crippling for that yeah so, so we're saying is- this to like point out that your anxiety is informative your anxiety is information about what am I nervous about what's causing me anxiety and it explore that like really explore is there a possible solution or I'll do the with clients I'll talk about the miracle question a lot so I'll say if there was a miracle and anything could happen to fix this what would that be and more often than not it is possible to make that thing happen you know within a cure reason, right so <laughs> if if someone someone were to ask me when I was anxious about having to take tests with juice, like, well, what would the miracle be? What would be the best case scenario to fix this? And besides me saying, oh, that I didn't have diabetes, which is not not up for grabs right now, the option would be, <laughs> oh, to be able to either, A, get permission, being told by the professor, no problem, have your juice, don't worry about it, or to be able to take in a private room, or to be able to have, you know, whatever it might be, and all of those things would have been possible if I knew to ask for it. And, right. and the you know, the alternative of what I did instead of getting those accommodations is I would just make sure my blood sugar was pretty high before I went into the test so I didn't have to worry about being low. And Which also can affect your brain. Exactly. Like being so cloudy. Obviously also wasn't a great result either. I survived. Great. I made good grades. You know, we're okay. But... And she got a master's degree. But look at all that extra anxiety and worrying I had to deal with because I didn't know I could accommodate to those things. And so COVID specifically, kind of COVID thrown into all of this, like I said, now more than ever, just know what your rights are. Find out what your options are. And if that means, you know, maybe getting permission to take certain classes virtually you know, whatever it might be to kind of make sure you are safe and you are still able to get the education you you want and need, see what your options are. And I think a twisted silver lining to this is that it's almost like, I don't want to say, I mean, I guess more accepted as messed up as that is, to be more anxious about mm-hmm. attending things in person and doing Absolutely. things right now because as messed up as it is, people are everyone knows about coronavirus right now everyone knows about COVID-19 and contrary to what a lot of think a lot of people are saying and doing um we really don't know that it affects a certain uh 
a certain population versus another. So I think people are much more apt to take your fears for Mm -hmm. contracting COVID more seriously right now than they are to try and sit down and understand diabetes as messed up as that is and I'm not saying that's okay (laughs) but it's a silver lining like maybe if it's if it's your senior year and you don't want to you know like it kind of takes away you're having to explain certain things to a teacher or get certain accommodations if you're working from home or if you're learning from home that's one less thing to stress about yeah Um, blood sugars dropping on your run to class yeah COVID has been the great normalizer um and there was even something I'm gonna totally butcher it but there was some meme or something I remember seeing (laughs) on Instagram (laughs) (laughs) it was not a meme it was like a screenshot of someone's tweet basically that was like I was seeing on all over my Instagram but it was someone saying like for those of us with chronic it's like all of a sudden the entire world is learning what's it like to navigate the world with an invisible chronic illness yeah. it's like everyone's kind of panicking about well is this safe can I do this and everyone all of a sudden has these extra layer of anxieties and here we are in the corner like Psh, dude we've been here a while like welcome um so there's something so- very normalizing about this time it's like oh now other people can can kind of maybe get a taste of what it's like to be burdened by something um again we're not saying that we're thankful for the coronavirus just to clarify um just finding little silver linings in a greater a greater unfortunate time exactly it's just a normalizing factor and so there's something to be said for that before we wrap up i think that something that's come out of this episode for me is that i want to do a bigger episode on categorizing type 1 diabetes as a disability I think that I mean I have so many stories that have to do with that um and even some hate from some listeners for for categorizing it as such um Mm. and I think we need to destigmatize the word disability and really understand what that truly means so that's for a whole other conversation another time but I think we're going to wrap up here and Miriam and I want to wish everyone who's headed back to school or back to work in person or just doing anything virtually, continuing, getting through these crazy times, a happy and healthy coping mechanism. We want to wish everyone good coping. Good coping. All <laughs> um, right. Bye, so, guys. Oh, oh wait, wait. No, Miriam. Right. I should Emma's wrap up. Yeah. Miriam, it's your favorite part. How could I you know, forget? I know. Oh, I Okay. Um, <laughs> now I don't even want to do it. So follow us on Instagram at pancreas underscore pals. Follow us on Facebook at pancreas pals PP. Sign to our DMs on either or both. We love hearing from you guys, even if it's to hate on something we've said. Um, slide into our emails at pancreaspals123 at gmail.com. Guys, it's been a wild ride. It's a, these corn times are really starting to get to me. Uh, I ramble, I say things, and I'm like, what did I just say? So it's probably not a great time to have a podcast, but here we are. Um, so thank you guys so much for listening and staying on this wild ride and we will have another episode for you guys soon. Yep. Bye guys. Bye.